hi there, I'm Candice. I was just working on situating my lived experience into a salient critique of ideology. Let's see if this thing works. Whoa, whoa, whoa! It seems like it needs a little more work. But that's the exciting part, because you never know what you'll discover along the way. But don't take my word for it. Why don't you come along for today's adventure in ideology? Welcome to Adventures in Ideology. If you're new to the show, this is a show where we listen to and discuss the radio drama Adventures in Odyssey, created in 1986 by Focus on the Family and still running today. If you were raised evangelical, you're probably familiar with it. And if you were not, prepare for some in insights into a very bizarre subculture. Adventures in Odyssey was created with the express purpose of indoctrinating children. We try to identify the invisible assumptions that are present in evangelical theology and the way they were presented and normalized to kids through Adventures in Odyssey. We listened to and loved the show growing up, and now we're listening with a more discerning air to identify and deconstruct the problematic ideas we were exposed to as children, and also examine how those beliefs have played out in our lives. We're so happy you're here. Welcome. I'm Candice. And I'm Karis. And today we have special guest Cody with us. Cody, Woo! would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, I can do that. Uh, so my name's Cody Cryle. Uh, I am also uh, a child of, of Adventures in Odyssey. Um, grew up listening to that and, and grew up in a very conservative Christian at home, uh, going to camp. It was my whole life, Christian school, all that. Uh, and yeah, I have since uh, been more discerning, as, as Candace said, and uh, been really deconstructing a lot of things and definitely happened a lot in my master's. So I am someone who has just about completed my master's in counseling psychology and moving into the world of, of therapy. I'm working with clients currently. It's very exciting. And in my past life, I was also a teacher and uh, still do quite a bit with that. I uh, taught in a Christian school, which was also a fun time wow. <laughs> when uh, you're deconstructing. We look forward to hearing some of those stories. Hopefully, <laughs> <during this episode. laughs> yeah. yeah uh, so that's, a, that's a little bit about me. I'm not sure. Uh, that's great. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Also, you're a musician. I am a musician. That's, uh, that's kind of how a big we know thing. each other. Yeah. 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 That's how we know each other. Right. I'm a professional musician. I play in a band, have a couple albums, and I know these lovely ladies through their brother, John, who played piano with me. And we had some awesome times. It's grand. I think you've heard John on other episodes. Yes. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. He's a fan favorite. He is. Yeah. They like it when we have our family members on. John, our mom, she was a yeah. favorite. Mom, oh. mom is. We should have her back. Yeah, literally, everyone wants to yeah. hear more from her. Lynn is a good time. So the episode we're talking about today are is Connie Part One and Connie Part Two. This is the what we've been waiting for Connie's conversion episode. So she goes from being so awesome to becoming a sheep, <laughs> which <laughs> actually that's not true. She still has. She still gets to stay Connie, but then the men around her get to bully her even more because she's a Christian now. Um, I mean, we'll get into that yeah. next next <laughs> season, probably. Oh. This episode originally aired on December 3rd, 1988, and this one was written by Paul McCusker. So if for those of you at home that are listening, uh, the one that doesn't hate women. Well, no, he does just maybe not as he much. does. He just doesn't he doesn't write them out of every story the same <laughs> way that Phil Lawler does. Phil Lawler, basically his episodes center uh, around men or boys and women frequently are maimed and or killed and that yeah. is used as 
like the push that the men needed to gain to attain greatness in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Did he write this one? <laughs> no, he didn't. Oh, okay. but, you know, they both they both love killing both women. You know, yeah. They just love killing off women. Okay, that's so. like just I know. Okay, yeah, so, cool. Yeah, okay, so you're thing. you're new to this. <laughs> I we, do. Uh, we have a running death tally. We do. Keep I need to add to it. The deaths. Um, oh. And they're they're almost all women. Oh, those yeah. women just dying. Yeah. yeah, those weak, those weak, frail women. Yeah. Oh, geez. Okay, that's fun. So I can't think. Do you know who, the number? Which men? Which men have died? There was like one guy who died in the mystery episode. Who was Spencer Barfield? For, Spencer Barfield was murdered for money. Yeah. And then That's there the was the only male that I have. Well, Wait, there was that like crazy cat lady's husband and son died, right? right which yeah. like catapulted her into insanity, yeah. basically. So, did you say catapulted? <laughs> I, I did. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is going to be a good episode. <laughs> oh my! Should I read the two sentence description of the episode? Yeah, I posted the ones from the one from part one and part two. Okay, because they were a little bit different. But I read what you want. Mm. Do you have access to the document, Cody? Uh, yeah, Connie. <laughs> <laughs> I saw Connie, and then I was like, "Wait, guys, we are. Can we just like point out we're Connie, Karis, Cody, Candace? Like this oh, is yeah. a this is a situation. Yeah. This it is, is yeah. a situation. The four C's. <laughs> the four C's." Of the apocalypse. Um, okay. Okay. Oh, yeah. Like yeah. I want to be, I want to hearken the apocalypse. <laughs> the two sentence description of the episode Connie encounters old friends who remind her of how different she was before coming to Odyssey. Meanwhile, Eugene Meltzner starts working at Wits End and promptly changes how the shop works. In part two, while Connie is in California, she must make a decision about Christianity. Uh, meanwhile, in Odyssey, Eugene is inadvertently causing problems at wit's end. That's it. Um, I think that is like one of the better summaries that they've, that yeah, they've had. Yeah. It at least covers what happened, sort of. So I just want to point out that the episode is called Connie, but it's actually the first time we're introduced to Eugene. I thought that was so interesting that there is that they introduce this like major male character. On, Under the name name of a female, uh, yeah, on the episode that's supposed yeah. to be about her, yeah. yeah. I mean, again, it's just misogyny at work. Beautiful. We can't we can't just spotlight her. No. Okay. What can you do? Her journey. It wasn't enough. It's just not important it enough. Wasn't. Yeah. Um. Also, when I was going down the rabbit hole of Adventures in Odyssey Wiki. I found um, the list of all conversion episodes in Adventures in Odyssey, and I would like us to look at that list later. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's crazy that there's that many. Anyway. I know. I'm surprised there isn't more. <laughs> That's also true. Like, I, I thought, I honestly thought it would be like one a season, you know? Then you have your altar call episode that's like for the kids who are listening that like aren't Christians, you know? That's true. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, uh, well, this is starting to talk about it, I guess, but like I was surprised at the intensity. I remember this, but like the intensity of trying to convert her was so cringy it was for horrible. me. Mm-hmm. I, it was I could, horrible. I could barely stomach it. The thing that I thought was so interesting is they're saying all these things that are like objectively horrible things. And the way it's framed within the episode is as a positive. Uh-huh. I know. Right? Like from outside of that culture, you're like, oh my God, like they're pressuring her, they're manipulating her, they're doing all these things. Yeah. And and they're like, she doesn't like that and makes it known that she doesn't like that. And they're all yeah. like, she's so sensitive. She's so yes. sensitive to this. Yeah. You know, like yeah. but they are just objectively being shitty to her. So bad. And treating so her like a project and not a person, you know? Yeah. The the whole, like, we need to pray for her. The whole, like, um, even if she's not in the room, they're, like, gossiping about her and, mm-hmm. like, veiling it as, which which I've talked about with so many people, but they're veiling it as, as like, a good thing. Like, we need to pray. And like, they're really just gossiping, but, like, let's let's pray for Connie. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just trash. And, yeah, again, these are just conversations between men. The mom is virtually incompetent. Mm-hmm. In this story, we don't see the mom really adding. She has no voice. She's just mm-hmm. like, I'm worried. That's all. Yeah. And that's the most we've heard from the mom uh, up to this point. Because she yeah. was in she was in the Thanksgiving episode where she basically said, wow, you guys have done amazing things with Connie. Because like as the mom, of course, her input is nothing. And before that, right. we found out that her mom, like... From the moment they moved to Odyssey, Connie has been planning on going back to California. Yeah. And somehow her mom had no idea. But literally everyone else in the town knew. So, like, her mom yeah. is kind of portrayed as being pretty incompetent the whole 100%. time. 100%. Mm-hmm. And it's so icky. Like, yeah. the way that these, like, uh, you know, this woman has given over her daughter to these men. And it's like, for, well, for yeah. my daughter, right? Shape and- her mind. Yeah, well, I think, and I, I don't think she like gave the, them over. I think they swoop, saw a vulnerable young person yeah, and yeah. swooped in, you know, to they be the like, this is our opportunity mm-hmm. to be the male role model because she's single yes. mom, right? Well, and dad is also villainized in this episode as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, you know, dad could be a well-meaning, great person who's just not a Christian, but they make him seem like he's this horrible person in California. Yeah, um, I yeah. think. We don't know, because I, I don't think her mom is a Christian either. No. Oh, okay. One Can't of the conversion episodes is her mom. Oh, is her mom's conversion. Okay. Yeah. So, so her parents separated. What For whatever reason, her parents were having trouble, and then her mom moved her to Odyssey. So we don't know. Oh, interesting. Yeah. yeah. You know, I actually have to say, uh, I actually really, I think Connie has a pretty good uh, sense of boundaries, and you can hear her several times. Absolutely. Trying this is one, to set yeah. boundaries. This is one thing we come back to all the time. Like Connie has such good instincts. Yeah. And she she says what she needs very clearly. And yeah, it's like the Christians are the ones who are always like pushing the boundary, pushing the boundary, trying to like get her to just like always making her assert that, you know, like trying to wear her down. Yeah. And I would say a stronger word. Like it's it's, it's actually like violating her boundaries yes. over and over again. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, and she's like, can like she even makes comments like everything they say is just about me becoming a Christian. Like everything, they turn every conversation into this, 
right? And it's a violation over and over again. And, and so I actually, yeah, like, I, you're like a hundred percent exactly right. And it like, and they say that, like, those are basically her exact words in this episode. Mm-hmm. And the way it is in the story is seen as a good thing. Like we yeah, should yeah. be like, mm-hmm. it's, it's mm-hmm. teaching kids already that your boundaries are irrelevant and it's yeah. better to not have boundaries. That's what God yeah. wants, you know, because Mr. Mm-hmm. Whitaker is basically a stand in for God. Yes. hundred percent. Yeah. Cause it becomes this, Oh, look at how great we are at wearing her down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Let's pray. Let's pray that we can wear her down more. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it's so, yeah. It's gross. Yeah, and like they're even saying, like, oh, hopefully this trip is a spiritual awakening. You know? I know. And it's just met everything. I noticed in this in this conversation, literally everything turned into how can Jesus get to Connie? How does mm-hmm. how can God get to Connie? And uh again, we even have we're, we're even modeling God as violating boundaries. Yes. As in, as in like God will do anything to get to you. He's gonna put people on the bus. He's going to make your friends turn on you that you used to like because God wants you. And so we're also like this idea that God is like so controlling and so like forceful is just crap. <laughs> like I well, can't. It's so cringy. Right. And it's very convenient for those in power to maintain their power. Absolutely. You know, because it's yeah. like we are doing if they if they model God based on an abusive model. Mm-hmm. then they can get away with abusing people in their churches, mm-hmm. not respecting people's boundaries, gaslighting people, you know? Yeah. Well, and then, uh, you know, before we clicked record here, uh, Candace and I were talking about how I'm really interested in the, the idea of religious trauma. And like, there's a growing population of people who are traumatized by the church, by these sort of ideas and this sort of treatment, uh, especially when it was veiled as like a good thing. The, even the people who were abusing right? Who were saying these things were unaware of the harm. And, and, and even yeah. they're stepping, stepping forward and saying, I have trauma for being, from being the abuser, mm-hmm. from realizing that I was the person who was, that was doing that. Right. And so we have this whole population of people who just are on the, yeah. on the outside here, not knowing where to turn. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it's an area of research for me that I'm probably going to, to pick up here in the next year or two. I'll just add it to my plate. No big deal. Yeah, yeah let's about it. <laughs> yeah. Along with running for mayor. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna run for mayor, you guys. I yes. either need to leave. I either need to leave Red Deer or become the mayor. So. Seriously, <laughs> mayor is stepping down. So, oh, is she? Oh, is she? Yeah, yeah, she's not running again. Oh, <gasps> interesting. Mm, there's an opening. There's, there's a vacuum. No <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. What God is saying right now, Cody, is that you need to run for mayor. God is saying. (laughs) That means you need to run the other direction. Run away. (laughs) Run away from God. Let me clarify. What God is is saying. Oh, better. That's better, right? Um, Okay, should we jump in? Yeah, let's start. Do you have any other thoughts? Let's start talking about that. We can just skip the, like, exoplot, I think. That's what I was thinking. I was going to just jump in. It was dumb. So the episode starts at wit's end. Wit is there. Connie comes in late and she's so excited because her mom's finally said that she can go to California for the holidays now that school's done. But she needs to make sure that she can get the time off. So Wit is like, 
he's like disappointed and like worried because apparently California is of the devil. And um, the whole time he talks about how he has this like mm-hmm. sinking Anxiety. feeling and yeah. Yeah, about her, about yeah. her not being within his grasp, basically. It's, yeah. Like it's, uh-huh. it's so yucky. It's it's weird uh-huh. and controlling, right? Uh-huh. So yeah. finally he says yes. Like she can go as soon as she wants, um, but he's going to hire someone to help out during the Christmas rush because he can no longer function alone, apparently. (laughs) So you did it before she came. But um, so then the next scene, he's taping up a help wanted sign. Tom comes and sees a sign and then they start talking about how Connie is leaving, going to California. Tom's like, what again? She was all set to go last (laughs) summer when the tornado hit. Remember? And then there's like this sound flashback to the episode stormy weather from last season. Yeah. The one where the, where my hypothesis was the weather was her, was like her inner manifestation of her. Yeah. So it's like the sound the sound bite is like when they're at wit's end and then it, the window explodes and yeah wit gets ends up getting 18 stitches. This is a um, this is a clip show. Yeah, it yeah. is. Yeah. 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 So then uh Tom's like that had a lot to do with keeping Connie in Odyssey. I thought that would keep her from going. Like it's this weird control yeah. thing. Yeah, that is, is so weird. And, and like so why that, would it? Why would it keep yeah. her from going? Yeah. This is my she, question. She she agreed to stay and help at the shop until he was healed, basically. Right. So, yeah, why would it? He just used it as a way to manipulate her into never yeah. leaving his sight. Yeah. Uh, and so then Wit's like, well, she never lost her restlessness. And after <laughs> Karen died, so then it references Karen, uh, it seemed to come back stronger. Connie thinks that whatever is nagging at her will come back in California. I'm concerned about her, Tom. Yeah. I, I already am annoyed. Uh-huh. Concern is the only acceptable reason for gossiping in the church. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Concern. And then we say, let's pray. Let's pray yeah. for her. Let's pray yeah. for this person whose whole life is falling apart because this happened and this happened and this happened. And this happened. <laughs> yeah. And can she you believe going? this happened? Yeah. <laughs> she was having an She's... affair. No. She got yeah. pregnant. Yes. Now she wants to have an abortion. Also, she's addicted to heroin. We she needs our <laughs> shut, shut the front door. Let's oh, pray. There Let's is. pray. Let's pray. Yeah. yeah. And then they like point at her from across the church. Like, yeah. don't actually talk to her. Oh, no. man. Basically, what's like, I don't want to see her go back to all her bad influences. It could undo all the progress we've made. Yeah. Okay. This is a major theme through the whole episode. This idea of like all this progress and all this change, how Connie has changed so much. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and they... And like the fact that Wit attributes it to himself is so disgusting. All it's the progress so that we've made. Like he's such yeah. a narcissist. Yeah. Well, it's so masturbatory. And also like uh-huh. so the exact opposite of like what they preach. Yeah. Of like, well, God does it. But then he's like, but really I do it. Yeah. And also this idea that like yeah. if you if you are a non-Christian and then you start spending time around Christians, you're just going to become a better person because yeah, before yeah, you yeah. were trash. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't... No, go ahead. I, uh, I challenge the idea of progress too, because I don't think it's actually about Connie at all, right? No. Like the progress, progress we've made has nothing to do with Connie and everything to do with yeah. their idea of progress 
towards her what accepting jesus and like if i if i'm looking at what connie's saying it doesn't look like they've made progress at all she's still like um hey like i'm drawing a line i'm drawing a boundary please stop right like even their idea of progress like i think it's like what, where are you even getting this from guys like i don't, I don't even see where yeah. your idea your idea of progress is showing up here because connie is not having it True. you know she's yeah. she is trying to set boundaries she wants to get out of there yeah if anything i feel like they're um doing the opposite like they're they're causing regression in her as she's like finding her independence and like finding her voice and they're Mm -hmm. like oh let's just take that from you yeah and and they're doing it intentionally to handicap her so she is more vulnerable to them Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah more easily controllable Mm -hmm. yeah and so i made a i made a note about this too because uh and we talked a little bit about this candace that oftentimes to abuse someone uh, you need to have them be isolated. And what's what they're asking of her here is like they don't they don't want her to have her bad influences. So this idea that that that, that the old friends uh, are not acceptable anymore, right? But she's also known by those old friends. They're expecting her to change. So they're like, well, you're welcome to this community, but you have to change to be here, right? And so she's isolated. Mm-hmm. So she can't be herself, and her old friends are bad influences. Right. Mm-hmm. So where does that leave her? She's alone, isolated. And that's exactly where, where they want her. Mm-hmm. Well, cause even later on in the episode, then we, there's this flashback to an, another earlier episode where she like goes to hang out with friends in Odyssey mm-hmm. and they also won't hang out with her because she spends so much time at wit's end and they all think that she's just like, it's her life. So a hundred percent, like that has been happening for the yeah. last two seasons. Right. And then we have these two men or, you know, Wit in particular swooping in saying like, I'm your community now. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I yeah. know you. God knows you. This is where you're loved. And he's actually asked her to leave everyone she's lo- she loves, everyone that mm-hmm. knows her. Mm-hmm. Right. And this desire to go back to California is this desire to connect with people who actually know her, who knew who she was <laughs> yes. before she was manipulated. Yeah. And yeah. who accepted her as she was without asking her to change. Correct. Yeah. 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 So I made some notes about that. <laughs> so uh, anyway, so he says it could undo all the progress we've made. And then Tom says, or affirm it. That's God's business, isn't it? And then uh, maybe we should be praying that this trip is trip to California will be a spiritual journey for Connie, her own personal odyssey. And, <laughs> and we should be praying for peace for you, John Avery. Also, I feel like the fact that he doesn't have peace about this is his, I mean, that's his control freak. Absolutely. Right? Like, that's yeah. just, like but that's never address. brought up or questioned or, like, seen as a bad thing. Like, this is mm-hmm. seen as, like, from God, right? And yeah. I think, mm-hmm. I think the takeaway from this episode is that it was, like, God prompting him to pray so that. I don't know, because your yeah, prayers, yeah. like, make the puzzle pieces fall into place so that the woman would be on the bus at the... Whatever. I don't yeah, yeah. I don't get yeah, it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But for whatever reason. But yeah. actually, it's just him, like, being yeah. being anxious because he's losing control. Yeah. There's an odd, odd codependency here because so much of how he feels about this is relying on, on Connie, on Connie's reaction, on Connie's feelings, on Connie's behavior. And so much is resting on that. So, you know, there's this weird codependent relationship that shouldn't even, <laughs> should not, like, what is the no. relation, what is their relationship even, right? Like, it's gross. 
It's odd. Weird. It's super weird. Yeah, it's very weird. It's um, I did appreciate. I mean, compared to Wit, I feel like Tom has like a better grasp and understanding of like God. Mm. (laughs) Like, none of this is really up to us. It's It's God. It's it's God. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe back off, Wit. Like, calm down. You're fine. Yeah. You know. I mean, he's saying it way more gently because, you know, you can't say anything offensive to Mr. Whitaker. He has to dance around his ego. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But. Okay. So then, so then Wits agrees and is like, yes, peace for me because he's super anxious. And then enter Eugene. Yay. So the door jingles. (laughs) There's like a little jingle. And then Eugene comes in. Uh, And then just... He's just like a very interesting presence as soon as he comes in. So his first Mm -hmm. comment is about more efficient ways to know customers have come through the door than by using a bell. And then he introduces himself. I'm Eugene Meltzner, a science student, and might I add in all modesty, a recognized genius at the Campbell County Community College. Witt introduces himself. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Why is a genius going to Campbell County Community College? <laughs> not a full scholarship to an Ivy League school. Yeah. Yeah. Just a good question. Just wondering. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he should be modest. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. That's good. So, I'm sure uh, you're a genius, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah okay. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I do like in like more recent things that have come out about Adventures in Odyssey, a lot of people label Eugene as like neurodivergent, mm, like yeah. autistic or or Asperger's or whatever, or like something on the spectrum, which mm-hmm. I thought I just think is interesting. Mm, mm. Um, and yeah, as far as like his genius goes. I see. But um, um Anyway, so Wit introduces himself and Tom. Tom says, howdy. Eugene goes on a tangent about the colloquialism howdy and how it came from. How do you fare? And then he's like, in answer, Tom, I fare well. Thank you. And Tom's like, what did you say? Did I ask you? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So then Wit's kind of like translating for him. Um, And then Wit's like, what can I do for you? Eugene is basically like my college professor told me to speak to you. You're he basically asks to apprentice. He basically does. Yeah, it's like sure, I'll hire you to scoop ice cream. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like he like is like you're an inventor, and I'd love to learn from you. Um, it just the and like the way he talks is like. I would find your approach to life very different, if not altogether fascinating and certainly beneficial to my pursuant education. Just like all the big words. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And then Wit's like, oh, your timing couldn't be better, Hubert. (laughs) Calls him Hubert. Eugene corrects them. And then basically he hires him for as a part-time help during the holidays. But can we go back to like the fact that he actually called him Hubert? Yeah, like yeah, was, that uh, was like a power play. That was a power play. It totally was. Totally. Yeah, because yeah. he's smarter than him. Yeah, yeah. Like to mess up someone's name is it says a lot. It you know it really puts him in a position of of like oh I have the power here. Uh, I'm gonna yeah. call you Hubert, and you can't yeah. you, like you need something from me, right? Um, 
I'm superior. I can mess up your name. And yeah. Cause that's not like, what was your name again? I'm sorry. I, yeah. I forgot that. Right. Like, right. Straight up. I'm just going to make up a name for I'm you. I'm just going to throw yeah. a random You seem name like a there. Hubert. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's like a pretty ignorant thing to do. Um, yeah. And another thing that we were talking about too, uh, right off the bat, it seems like they're really making, uh, making fun of, of his education or of his intelligence. Mm-hmm. And interesting, yeah. You know, this is maybe it's, it's personal. This is a bit a bit personal for me, but uh, I found that when I pursued education, my family was really worried that that academia would lead me down a slippery slope, you know, mm-hmm. into yeah. into learning about things other than Jesus. Yeah, right? yeah and and therefore moving you away from because you can't. They, they, I mean, they see this thing that happens, right? Like people get a post-secondary yeah. education at like a secular university and yeah. they walk away from their faith or their, yeah. their relationship with their faith changes and mm-hmm. it makes people uncomfortable because they're like, oh, well, it's sinful, right? Yeah. And so even in my own family, you know, they attribute a lot of my deconstruction to the fact that I'm, I took my master's. And they're blaming yeah. my masters a wow. lot. Right? Yeah. yeah. And so I, I, I was triggered right away noticing how they were making fun of his, his, totally. you know, vernacular. Mm-hmm. They're making fun of the way he's, he's speaking or the way that he's, you know, coming from a college or like, it seems right away that mm-hmm. it's unacceptable to be someone who's educated or intelligent. Cause uh, he's yeah. socially awkward. They like, he's socially awkward because he's smart. Like you can't be smart and still be able to have a conversation with people normally. Totally. And so they're already putting people who are educated kind of like, oh, that, you know, oh, they're, they're weird. Awkward. They're weird. Yeah. They're, yeah. yeah. Actually, it's, it's interesting because um, I got a newsletter from the Bible college that Karis went to and the, the like message from the president in that he had written about how basically trying to recruit people like the importance of Christ- going to a Christian post-secondary, you know, like solidifying your faith. But one of the things in there was like, not, I don't know, I'm going to make up a stat, but it was something kind of ridiculous that was also very made up. Like, I'm like, I don't Mm -hmm. know where you got these numbers from, but something like, like nine out of 10 people, Christian young people who go to secular universities without a Bible college education will fall morally like within the first year or something and it was like oh there was so many there was so much vague language too because i'm like what does that mean like fall morally like (laughs) yeah does this mean we're all we all just become atheists like it was it was very it also seemed like very mild like they're they're they might take yes. the Lord's name in vain. Oh, oh no! My God. Like, like, what does that mean? Fall yeah. morally? Totally. Um, um, but there, it's, it's like a scare tactic. Yeah. Too. Yeah. You know, even when I look at this, uh, and I think of my family, they're terrified, mm-hmm. right? Because of where they are, they are terrified for my soul. And this mm-hmm. is part of mm-hmm. this is part of the abuse again that's happened to them. Right. Yes. Or the, tra- I shouldn't say abuse, like the trauma, they are terrified for me that I am going to end up in hell mm-hmm. uh, because I went and got an education or whatever it is. Right. And, and I, I want to call back to how you said, like, like even the, the falling morally seems so mild, but this is the, this is the slippery slope teaching, right. Mm-hmm. That like, first you're saying God's name in vain and then you're doing heroin. Right. Like, it's <laughs> like, it's just such a, like, and, and it comes up in this episode, actually, when they keep calling her mm-hmm. friends, bad influences, mm-hmm. right? 
it seems so like like what does that even mean uh did they swear one time mm-hmm. and now they're you know like what is what is the parameters of this uh because like you said it seems pretty mild but there's so much fear that we're gonna slide down this mountain of sin mm-hmm. into the fiery pit of hell mm-hmm. I, and they're terrified it, okay so this is a this is a tangent but um, I was listening to a recent ex-evangelical, and he interviews this woman. Uh, her name is Catherine Stewart, and she wrote a book called The Power Worshippers Inside the Dangerous Rise of Religious Nationalism. So she's in the States, and she she researches the religious right and has been mm-hmm. doing so for a very long time and has been going to, um, like, the meetings, like, I don't know. I'm doing a very poor job of explaining this. Um, but basically he had her on to talk about the recent bill in Texas, the abortion. Oh yeah. Bill. And yes. she talked about basically how like their tactic is the slippery slope tactic. Mm-hmm. You know, you like get it in here and then once it's in, in Texas, then other States will start adopting similar policies, especially if the Supreme court does nothing about it, which it seems like they're not because, you know, yeah. five, four conservatives. And yeah. um, so it just made me realize, I mean, I've had this realization before, but there is this thing that evangelicals, like conservatives really do, mm-hmm. that is they, they try and misdirect their bad behavior by placing it on someone else. Like they are mm-hmm. the, they are the kings of the slippery slope. And that's why, that's why they accuse other people of it all the time. Cause they're like, see, mm-hmm. we're vigilant mm-hmm. against this. We're vigilant against this. Like, this is terrible, mm-hmm. but they're doing yeah. it all the time. They're like, even the way they interact with Connie is like a slippery, slippery slope. The other, the other way, you know, right. like exactly. going down the other side of the hill. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. You know, there's like the side of the hill that goes to hell and the side of the hill that goes to heaven. And, you know, we're pushing her down that slippery slope. That one's fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> going one way, fine. you're going the other. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A hill, a hill has two sides. Oh, yeah. man. But like, at the level in- of like policy and planning of yeah. some of these like very yeah. conservative religious organizations, they mm. use the slippery slope as like a template. Yeah to manipulate people to like get more extreme policies right fascinating yeah Uh yeah fascinating yeah and so i i hear that uh from my family and also in this episode that they're terrified that she's going to go down the wrong side of the hill yeah you know yeah 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 have you guys seen this is tangentially related i promise have you seen that episode of simpsons where um so homer they find out that Homer has had this crayon stuck up his nose forever, and that's why he's so dumb, because it's been, like, half in his brain. So yes. they remove it, and his intelligence skyrockets like crazy, like, to yes. the point where him and Lisa are, like, on the same level, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. BFFs. And so one morning, he's, like, out and about. He, like, knocks on Flanders' door, and he's like, I was working on a clean energy source, or clean and 100% renewable energy source, and I accidentally disproved God, and he, like, hands Flanders <laughs> this, like, this sheet that, like, explains it, and Flanders is like, well, hmm, well, well, that checks out. Can't let anyone see this doozy, and he, like, lights it on fire, <laughs> yeah. and then you see Homer, and he's, like, sticking it to everybody's windshield. <laughs> 
That is so related. So it's Burn just like, the it's evidence. like right? Yes. Can't have this getting out. Mm-hmm. Like, the smarter you up. are, the the if you get smart enough, you'll disprove God somehow. But yeah. Anyway, and, that's just what it made me think of. No, and we're totally like this this God against academia, or or more specifically, God against science. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And and we need yeah. to realize that God is not the opposite or enemy of science. Mm-hmm. That is not who God is. That they're not. These are. This is not a dichotomy that you get to like live on, mm-hmm. right? Yes. These are not opposing forces. Although I, I have, see that, I have some very complicated thoughts on this topic, having like worked in research for so mm. many years. Uh, but I want to hear Karis's thoughts first. Oh, mm. uh, all I was gonna say is like, especially with this pandemic, and like the amount <gasps> yes. of people that are like, mm-hmm. oh, God told me. God, mm-hmm. I saw a girl posted, God told me in my quiet time with him that I shouldn't get the vaccine. Mm-hmm. Wow. I'm not saying he wouldn't tell somebody to get it, mm-hmm. but that's what he told me. Yeah, it's dangerous. That's dangerous thinking. It's, it's so horrible. dangerous. Yeah. Guys, I saw a bumper sticker, only Red Deer. It says, I'm part of the antibody of Christ. Antibodies, like Jesus is oh my, my God. And then I said, oh my Jesus God. is my antibodies. <gasps> oh, no. <laughs> person's gonna die of covid (laughs) exactly right i do i have been kind of thinking about how this population is like self-selecting for what's the word i'm looking for annihilation like yeah yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. they're they're like selecting themselves out of the population um well there was like that that post that i sent you candace right that was like uh oh my goodness Okay, so it was, it was, has anyone noticed how all of us who haven't been vaccinated are getting sick now? And the the conclusion they they pose, they come to is like, the government is making us sick because we opposed the vaccine. Like, excuse me. Yeah, they're literally like right there. Yeah. They're literally right there. And they twist it. It's, uh, yeah. Okay. But this is. This is the thing that's happening, right? My dad has a creationist magazine. He's oh, part yeah. of a cre- creation yeah. science magazine. That one, mm-hmm, I think so. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> uh, anyway, so he he'll like bring up all these things all the time and talk about like, well, dinosaurs. It says in here like why dinosaurs, you know, uh, like didn't exist this way, or like he'll talk about how evolution isn't real because X Y Z in his creation magazine. And there's always mm-hmm. like they twist. Like like this example you're 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 bringing up, they twist it mm-hmm. to like be sort of tangible, but when like if you're on mm-hmm. the outside, you're like that is not rational thinking. What I've yeah. found from a lot of conversations with anti-vaxxers on Facebook <laughs> and <sighs> all of the like quote unquote evidence that is posted is they cite a lot of real research papers, so people are like oh, like, look, they have real sources. They're credible sources. And then they deliberately misinterpret the results and basically say, frame it as like the opposite of what the research actually shows. Because it is very difficult to read a scientific paper, especially if you only have high school science. You know, like, it's not not an easily accessible field for people. And so they they also like, I, I was having a conversation with an anti-vaxxer and he posted this paper and he's like, just read this. It proves it. No, he, he was 
speaking down to someone else in the conversation and was like, you don't even have to read it. Just look at the pictures. They're called graphs or something. They're called graphs. Such an asshole. And so I went and I looked at it and the graphs showed very clearly vaccines working. It was like, I don't remember what disease it was, but it, it like had the like disease like infection rate and then on the bottom like vaccines and then you could see oh i think it was polio wasn't it it might have been polio because he attributed it he's like it went away when people started washing their hands more which was just a lie because it like went it went like went down once hygiene improved and then it showed like the vaccine came in and literally it like plummeted to zero oh man I'm like, it very clearly shows on this graph the exact opposite that you are telling people and you're saying you're telling them to look at the picture, but nobody knows how to read this. Like they're just taking what you say at face value because he was a medical professional, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. working in Red Deer at the Mm -hmm. hospital. Yeah. Yeah. And just deliberately misleading people or else he was so dumb and didn't know how to somehow managed to get through medical school without being able to read a graph. I don't know, but it was crazy to me. Yeah. Yeah. But it's it's crazy what they're able to deny. Uh, And I I draw it back to the episode too. Like it's, it's crazy what you're able to, when you are so convinced of something, Mm -hmm. it's psychologically it's it's impossible to see other perspectives when you're so afraid to believe something else. Well, you're impo- afraid to even like f- acknowledge a different perspective as valid. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Cause right. Then and we that, see that happening yeah. in this episode too. Completely. Yeah. Completely. Mm-hmm. Well, I was listening to, I don't know, one of the early episodes of Dong Teeny, which is yes. um, uh, Stephanie Drury and Simone. Stephanie Drury. Thank you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Simone. Um, I don't remember her last name, but yeah, they're fun. Yeah. Uh, Stephanie Jury is just amazing on all the things all the time. We want her on the podcast at some point, maybe. Sweet. But she says something about that that effect as well, where it's like people, when presented with contrary information, yeah, will double down. Yeah. Yes. Like this is a this is something a, that's been a, researched. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. They'll double. It's like down. a threat response. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's very interesting. And the confirmation bias too, right? So mm-hmm. out in the world, oh, yeah. you, you only look for what confirms what you think. So you, you literally don't see anything else except for what confirms your belief. Yeah. And social media does that intentionally. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. It is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Oh, uh, social media. Whew. Especially TikTok. Mm-hmm. Where you're like, you, I only get things that I like watching. <laughs> Only ever. Really? My TikTok yeah. is not very good. No, I get tons I get of things that I'm stuff. like, nah, nah. I, um, my Instagram is not good. I somehow keep getting all of these like <laughs> Christian Christian wife reels that are just like, just love your husband more and just pray. I'm like, how am I, yeah. how is this happening? She keeps sending them to me. They're horrible. <laughs> You're awful. Every time I get one, I send it to Candace. Whoa. Yeah. I, like those exist like this is crazy yeah. oh yeah yeah so this christian subculture like like this adventures in odyssey you know we talked about it like when we were kids but this is in full swing people it's still going it's yeah, crazy. Oh, yeah. Going. and not just odyssey but the whole subculture yeah yeah, yeah. 
Oh man. Um, okay, should we keep going? Um, yeah, let's yeah, keep yeah. Going. Let's talk. So about basically, <laughs> so so oh, basically, I just wanted to talk a little bit about science. I'm not going to go into like my whole spiel. Oh, I yeah, just yeah. wanted to say like right. part of the reason I went into science is because I think because I understood how powerful it was because I understood yeah. how afraid yes Christians were of it. Yes, and I didn't understand it. I wanted to yeah. know like. I wanted to understand it, you know, mm-hmm. rather than just be like, be in this group of people who were obviously very ignorant mm-hmm. and talking about how it was so dumb. But like, but no one even understood the basic concepts that mm-hmm. they were arguing against, you know? Mm-hmm. And anytime you come across that, like that, like intensity of fear, Right. Like I think they always like run to that. I'm like, ooh. Yeah. <laughs> What's that? Because <laughs> I think fear and doubt are very related. Fear and doubt oh, are yeah. very related. And if they're if they're so afraid that you're gonna unlock the key that God isn't real, right? Then that means that they have some doubt too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yes, yeah. completely. Yeah, yeah. totally. Mm-hmm. That's why I like also I've realized Christians, not all Christians, but a lot of Christians are way more afraid of dying than my non-Christian friends who are like, you know, like we go mm-hmm. back to the earth and that's the end. Like the people mm-hmm. who believe in the afterlife are way more afraid of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whereas I, f- I feel like my friends who are like, you know, this is it. We need yeah. to live this life and put everything into this life, you know, like they don't have mm-hmm. regrets. They don't have fear about the end because it's like, it's the end. Great. Okay. Yeah. And we did our best did. here. Yeah. Not like we are basically right. putting our whole life on hold until mm-hmm. we die and then we can be in paradise because you can't live here because if you live, you might sin, right? That like this like fear of missing out. So if you if you lived your whole life as a Christian and you repressed all these different mm-hmm. experiences, you're afraid to die because you didn't live. Yeah. You didn't, yeah. right? So so if you repress yourself your whole life, maybe you're repressing your identity. You repress experiences because they're sinful. Uh, we're also taught that our bodies are evil. Mm-hmm. And so Christians have spent their whole lives just in their very cerebrally, you know, being detached from their bodies, you know? And uh, ironically, we need to get back on our bodies to be well, to be psychologically yes. well. We need to be back in our, back in our bodies. And yeah. so the teaching that we should be, uh, you know, away from our bodies and repressing all these experiences, I think that also makes us afraid to die, right? Yeah. Uh, if, if you're a Christian who spent your whole life, you're now 80 and you didn't actually live, you're like, holy, what am I, like, I going to do? I don't mm-hmm. want to die, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Anyway. Totally. Anyway. That's interesting because Christians always paint it as like, if you're on your deathbed and all you did was work for your whole life, you're going to regret all of the things that you did. You know, like there's this whole like fear. Live every day as though it's your last. But to them, that yeah. means like <laughs> you should be out proselytizing to every single totally. person, yeah. you know, because mm-hmm. if you don't spend your life bringing other people to heaven with you, really is how they think of it, then yeah. you wasted your life. Like That's you're, right. you are all Schindler and the world is your list. Yeah. <laughs> Base, I mean, you know, like it's the same yeah, idea. Yeah. Like then if you're dying, it's like, oh, like with that ring, I could have saved one more person from earth. Mm. Yeah. I mean, hell, I guess, like from hell. Yeah. yeah. From but, hell. Yeah. yeah. Except um, he actually did help people. So, you know. Yeah. 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 Anyway. Um, 
So, so basically, what? back to the back to the episode. <laughs> Wit, basically, Wit hires Eugene. Tom can't understand anything he's saying, yes. and that's that. And that's the end of that scene. Okay. So then we go back to Connie. We have so much home. to go. I know. I'll try to. I'll try to go faster. Connie's um, packed, ready to leave, and her mom is like, "I don't feel good about this." Mm. She's Connie's so excited. This is the best present you've ever given me. I've packed so quickly. Um, mm-hmm. the mom is just like hesitant and kind of pulled back. Yeah. Um, and then she makes a comment like your father's made big plans for the two of you if he can rearrange his work schedule. So then they're like uh-huh. making it sound to us like he's a workaholic and like yeah. his daughter's in town, but he might not even make time for her, even though he hasn't seen her since who knows when. Yeah. But totally. so there's that whole thing. Um, Connie's basically like, I won't hold my breath. Yeah. And it doesn't matter. I'll see my friends. To, yeah. yeah, seeing her friends lying on the beach, getting away from Odyssey is like mm-hmm. like she adds like just to get away from Odyssey, and yeah. the, her mom's like, well, why are you so excited to get away from here? I thought you liked it. Mm-hmm. And Connie's like, okay, I like some things about Odyssey, but it's not me. I feel mm-hmm. stifled here, like I've yep. gotten buried deep inside myself, and I'm going to explode if I don't get out. Like trust that instinct, girly. I know. I know. <laughs> like, also, like trust her words. Like, believe her words when she says this. As the mother. Right? Totally. Listen to your child. Like, Mm -hmm. if you're... Yeah. And the mom just, like, doesn't understand. And then Connie keeps going. Just the way it is here. All the church stuff, the way they deal with things. They sneak Bible verses in and drop all these hints that I should become a Christian. Sorry, that I should become a Christian. I try to ignore it, but I notice. I know what they're trying to do. Make me accept Jesus. But that's not me. It's not who I am. In California, I can be free. I can be whoever I want to be. I mean, she hits the nail on the head completely. Absolutely. And they're not being sneaky or subtle. No. Mm -hmm. They're being very overt. Yeah. And again, I see her boundaries. Her beautiful, healthy boundaries. She's not codependent on her mom's feelings, her dad's feelings. She has yeah. her own and she knows what she wants. Yeah. Know? Yeah. 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 And the mom's like, well, who is that Connie? Because she's yeah. like, I can be whoever I want to be. And the mom's like, who is that Connie? And Connie's like, I don't know. I guess I'll find out. Which means she doesn't find out. She just, you know, it's a sad ending to this episode. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's exciting because it's like, good for you for doing your own thing and not just buying into everybody else's yeah beautiful stuff so that's the end of that episode or that uh scene and then next scene wits on the phone with connie confirming that he'll say goodbye to her at the bus stop the next morning at 6 30 and then he hangs up and then prays about it help me relax about this you (laughs) more than i do it's like this weird anxiety thing again um eugene interrupts refuses to call him wit because he thinks nicknames are terribly disrespectful um so he continually calls him mr whitaker i just sorry i want to interrupt for a second this whole like wit's anxiety is really framed as him being like this caring Mm -hmm. father type figure right Mm -hmm. rather Mm -hmm. than this like creepy controlling older man who is meddling in her life you know and always speaking into her life without her asking and sometimes when she specifically says i don't want to hear your opinion yeah yeah well yeah and i'm curious to see if his attitude towards her changes once she becomes a christian as far as like um 
Because, yeah, because he's like, well, she doesn't, you know, I have to be in control. I have to do all these things to make sure she becomes a Christian. So does he still feel that same anxiety once she becomes a Christian? Or is it like, oh, good, now there's no boundaries between me and controlling her in every area of her life? Yeah, no, what's he what's he want here? Like, what's the angle? Because when she becomes a Christian, he's going to be afraid that she'll backslide the whole time. Yeah. Like, like, like where is it? Where does it stop? Right. And again, it's just very clear that it's actually Wit who's the really unhealthy one here. Yes. He has a, he has yeah. a he has a weird codependent relationship with this girl who's not his mm-hmm. daughter even or or anything, right? He has a terrible relationship with his own daughter, so mm. could be yeah. like a surrogate. <laughs> a surrogate. Mm. Beautiful. Go get help with. Thank you. Um so then Eugene is commenting on he he looked around the building. He thinks it's fast and fascinating. Um, and then he's like, "I have all these ideas of how you can change all of these things and like suggest the train set be connected to a computer program." And then Wit's like, "But the children won't be able to operate it." And then Eugene's like, "Exactly. I've thought of all new ways of updating your shop." And then Wit's kind of so Eugene like is jumped all in like, mm-hmm. "I want to do this and I want to do this and I want to do this." And Wit's kind of like. Uh, 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 like he stammers, he's taken aback by Eugene's mm-hmm. eagerness, and then Eugene's like, "I'll start tonight, so you'll be amazed when you come back in the morning." <laughs> I love his enthusiasm. I know it's love kind of him. Yeah, he's yeah he is he uh he reminds he's me so of earnest. Yeah, and trying so hard. Great. Yeah, oh. I love it. Yeah, yeah. Wit is so resistant to the change too, which comes up as a theme change is a theme in here as well well it's a it's a a theme throughout all like all the all the ones we've listened to so far because even wits end itself was wits and the building used to be the old recreational center and the big theme of like the episode where wits end becomes wits end is wits wife dies tragically Mm-hmm. Um, and she was the one who really wanted to turn it into a, into a place for kids. She was the one, she was really active in trying to keep the building. And so her death spurred him to fight for the building and turn it into wit's end. Um, and in that episode, him and Tom talk a lot about like, some of us like the old ways, you know, and it's about like mm-hmm. back when... Mm-hmm places were more built around communities and not malls and right you know and there are some like nice sentiments in it like i i love that idea sure mm-hmm. like yes let's let's be less consumeristic mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah all but you know in this context it's being coded as racism like mm. back in the good like anytime evangelicals yeah. talk about the good old days it's like back when, yeah. back when white people had more and black people were basically slaves or yeah. it was like Jim yeah. Crow, you know, like the time yeah. of the white picket fence and like, yeah. it's all tied up in racism uh, and the cool, whole, yeah. Pol- yeah. the whole political movement too. Like yeah. basically the Christian right emerged in response to school desegregation you know like it it's all connected it's all connected to that so they use this idea of like oh back back in the good old days when Mm -hmm. you know we had community centers but that's not unfortunately what that means in there when they talk about it you know fascinating yeah yeah anyway they don't like change no they don't like change very resistant to the change okay so then it's the next morning 
Connie's at the train station. Wit shows up to say goodbye. He says, makes a comment about two days on a bus is an awfully long time, isn't it? Connie's like, well, I didn't hear either of you off to pay for plane fare. And mm-hmm. then we find out that she's been holding on to the same bus ticket for a year. Oh, sweet girl. Yeah. She just so, wanted to go back so... She's so... I, I relate to this so hard because when we moved to Red Deer, mm-hmm. I just wanted to go back to Saskatchewan. Yeah. I In my mind, I was like, I'm going to go back for grade 12. You know, I'll go and live on campus there or whatever. Did it happen? Yeah. No, but... For, mm-hmm. I held on to that dream for like years until I went back to visit and realized that everyone there had moved on and no one cared about me anymore. Oh. <laughs> you know, I left and then they all became missionary wives. So it's for the best. It It is ultimately for the best, but I still, yeah. it like still hurts. <laughs> totally. But also still hurts. Very yeah. True. Yeah. Yeah. Because like they meant more to me than I meant to them, you know? Oh, yeah. That's yeah. hard. That's so hard. Anyway, yeah. I relate to her. Yeah. Connie holding on to her ticket all year. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, she's just so excited. Uh, her train gets called. She gives her mom a hug, tells her that there's a couple presents hidden under the bed for her. Um, and then there's this weird interaction between her and Wit where she's like, see you later. And he says, promise? And she's yeah. like, I don't make promises I can't keep. You taught me that. You taught me that, remember? And that's from, again, another throwback to a previous yes. season. Um, but Christians shouldn't make promises. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Well, <laughs> and because uh, she promised to be a good person, and then she couldn't keep it up, basically. Uh, and then he was like, "See, I told you you couldn't." Basically. Anyway, oh, it, it was up again later it in the second gross. episode. It was yeah, gross. Yeah. It was gross. <laughs> but and then and then he's like, his last ditch effort is like, Connie, we've had a lot of conversations about some important things. I hope you'll think about them on the trip. And she's like, maybe if I have time. Mm-hmm. And then he gives her, uh, he gives her a Christmas present to open on the bus. She gives him a hug because that's all she had for him for a Christmas present, which is fair. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then he says, I love you, Connie, more than you might realize. But even more important, God loves you. Remember that. And then Connie runs for the bus. So intense. It's so, so intense. I know. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. And again, she's like, um, I don't make promises. I can't keep. Like, she's just yeah. trying yeah. at every turn. Just like setting like these like. Stop, creepy man. Please. Well, it's, yeah. so, it's so controlling. Like, okay, well, see you later. You promise even, you'll see me later. You promise you'll come back. Mm-hmm. Even Sorry. later, like, Wit and Tom talk about how she's been quote-unquote so sensitive yes. about all of their con- their trying to convert her yeah. <laughs> you know she, mm-hmm. um yeah, yeah because she and she's been very clearly saying like look stop you are not treating me like a person you are not treating yeah. me like someone who has value as uh-huh. i am now you are saying i am not good enough and you need me to change and that just stop <laughs> stop it yeah yeah but they make it about thing. her being sensitive. Yeah, which is actually just showing that they're the sensitive ones. Right? Totally. Like, they're the ones that are taking it really hard. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Because that's, you know, oftentimes when we try to set a boundary, uh, the other people really show what their, what their you know, sensitivities are or their triggers are. Right? Yeah. 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 Cool. Okay, next scene. Um, okay, so next scene. She's on the bus. A girl sits beside her because the kid that she was sitting beside, that this girl was sitting beside was being annoying or something. So they start chatting. 
Um, and Connie has, I think, the gift from wit sitting in her lap. And the girl asks what she's reading. And so she holds it up. And it's a Bible. Of course. And the girl's basically like, you're one of those, huh? I don't believe in the Bible. The rules, what you can do, what you can't do. Kind of old-fashioned, don't you think? Um, and Connie's like, I don't know. And the girl keeps going. I used to believe in it before I grew up. I mean, I'm basically a good person with a few quirks. If I need to change something, I'll change it myself. I don't need anyone else telling me to do it. Uh, And Connie's like, you think it's that easy? I used to think so, but I had this conversation about it once. And then this is the flashback to the episode that was mentioned previously where she's like, you taught me I couldn't make promises that I can't keep. Remember that wit or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so um, basically... Basically, she promises to like not be annoyed with people and to like treat everyone really well, and then she gets yeah. irritated after like two days. She gets oh, triggered horrible. and like, what a horrible like, person yells yeah. at. A, I mean, doesn't even <laughs> yell at a child like speaks sternly at a child, and then she's like, "You were right, Wit. I can't do anything. I'm terrible." Yeah, but actually, like wow. the yeah, they like fail to understand that the only way that you get better is by like setting an intention. And trying, mm-hmm. and then when you mess up, you like set your intention and you try and try you're a little bit better. And then, you know, well, and that's like what Wit says without saying it because mm-hmm. he's like, Look deep down on the inside, way into your soul. That's where the change has to start. Mm-hmm. Which is like, Okay, is that not what you do when you set an intention? Yes. So, this is the term uh, spiritual bypassing. <gasps> Ooh. Okay. So, yeah. Spiritual bypassing is when we veil uh, like actual or, or, or we hide behind like spiritual practices or spiritual jargon, particularly Christian in, in this case, when instead of actually like facing real feelings or facing like real uh, like reality itself. Right. Yeah. So um, saying things like, uh, let's say I, I go through a really hard breakup and someone says, oh, I'll pray for you. Mm-hmm. Right. They've spiritually bypassed actually supporting you. Uh, yeah. So they, they spiritual bypass by not actually engaging in, in the work yeah. at all of actually being empathetic. Right. This is what I felt a lot when our grandpa died. People mm-hmm. like, yeah. oh, he's in a better place now. Like that. That kind of thing. Exactly. Totally. Yeah. And even yeah. actually this episode made me think about like the way evangelicals handle death and i feel like the way they do that is a completely spiritual bypass yeah yes so spiritual bypassing happens once you know what it is like hiding behind yeah. uh you know the the language or the the practices you see it all the time and yeah. it really prevents people who are you know uh i, I think of I think of people who are like practicing christians like it's like a huge deal mm-hmm. right it really prevents them from doing the actual work of, of healing or getting better or actually facing their problems because they can spiritual bypass all day long and be praised for it. Yeah. Right? People are like, yeah. you're oh, good for you. You yeah. read your Bible more, but like, it's like, no, you need therapy and medication. Yeah. Right. And so you need to sit with and experience those feelings. <laughs> yeah. And so yeah. telling Connie, Connie, uh, you know, uh, her reaction to this child where she, she lashes out, you know, actual support would have been like, hey, let's talk about why like your feelings or why that happened rather than like spiritual bypassing. Again, we're like bringing uh, God and, and the Bible into a matter that's not really a God, ma- God Bible matter at all. Mm hmm. Yes, exactly. Yeah. It's so it's interesting because he does do that like 
hey, let's talk about your feelings and why that happened. And then he's like, because eh, you're sinful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. yeah. Like, it's spiritual yeah. bypassing. It totally 100%. is. 100%. Yeah, yeah, so that's the term. That's the term, and and that's a good term. I love. We're it. gonna start yeah. using it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, basically, oh yeah. So then there's that flashback to that episode, and then back to Connie on the bus, and she's talking to this girl, and she's like, "It sort of makes sense, doesn't it?" And then the girl's like, "Not to me, but it's a free country. You can think what you want." Hmm. Uh, and Connie's like starts to protest but the girl kind of interrupts and is like i'm gonna go back to my other seat mm-hmm. um which is probably the girl's way of being like i know you're just gonna want to keep badgering me about this and i don't want to deal with it because mm-hmm. i've dealt with enough christians so i'm leaving yeah she has yeah. boundaries good job girl yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> but it in the episode they presented as like oh this girl is so weak and or so, so rude yeah. so rude and not interested in hearing you mm-hmm. know yeah hearing the truth yeah she's jay she's shut off to it she's yes. hardened her heart she's, she's hardened yes yeah she's practically pharaoh <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> with his hard so, heart she's gonna go back and kill that firstborn child <laughs> <laughs> hide your kids hide your kids <laughs> so uh Anyway, so then Connie falls asleep and wakes up and there's a new person beside her. She finds out it's 6 a.m. and she's about a half hour away from L.A. Uh, we find out her seatmate's name is Audrey Nelson. They chat, you know, as you do on a bus. They chat about where they came from, where they're going. Cotton Eye Joe. <laughs> uh, <laughs> sorry. Wait, she um, has an STD. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, anyway, um, so we find out that Audrey came from her sister's funeral and all she has to say about it is she is, sorry, was the wife of a pastor there in Barstow where she came from. Sorry, you don't want to say anything else about your sister except that her husband was a pastor and she died of heart trouble and she, and then you find out, yeah, she'd been fighting heart trouble for a year and by the grace of God, her pain finally ended. And my thought was, Oof. by the grace of God, she was no longer married to her husband. <laughs> <laughs> I found that line so upsetting. Yes. So upsetting. So, and I mean, this plays into the same thing that they do in the Karen episode, right? Like, mm-hmm. how wonderful you did. De- you died. You went to heaven. But if it, if they really believed this, they would be like coming up Killing with reasons people. to die. <laughs> you know? Yeah. They wouldn't. Well, it's yeah. actually contrary to I feel like a lot of Christian teaching is actually that we're supposed to suffer, right? That mm. like that like living is suffering, right? And so when we like this like this saying like the grace of God her pain finally ended, uh, it's it's really interesting because it's like the it's like it's like praise to be a suffering person that yes. martyr that yes. martyrdom, yes. right? Yeah. yeah. Well, praise just- are those who suffer, and that's actually a. A weird cultural thing because in the bible if if they you know if they hold true the bible so because yeah i mean this is a whole other conversation about the power of the bible but like there's a so much mourning yeah right there is a yeah. book called lamentations that was entirely yeah. about lament right yeah. and so i don't know what shifted uh you know but in our current culture a uh, christian culture it is not okay to grieve be sad definitely you know, in the we, west yeah yeah. yeah. 
that we need to fix all emotions. All emotions are unacceptable except for happy and Jesus happy in particular. Well, what we've realized going through these Christy Miller books on our Patreon stuff is that the moments when she realizes that she's like so sinful or like when she feels so bad about things and that like the re- the thing that prompts her to become a Christian is having emotions basically mm. like having mm. emotions has is sin mm. mm-hmm. feeling yeah. angry acting out mm-hmm. in you know like frustration that is basically like they've they've framed things in such a way that if you experience emotions then that's sin. Yes. Yeah. A hundred percent. And this is where a lot of religious trauma is sitting, right? Yeah. Because nobody, yep. nobody knows how to feel or deal with real emotions, actual emotions. And that, that has a cost. Yeah. Right. And you can yeah. only spiritual bypass for so long because yeah. your that- body, it's there in your body, just yep. trying to get out. Your body keeps the score, uh, yeah. to quote. Yeah, I'm not sure if you guys have read that, but is that Gabor Mate? Uh, Gabor Mate is when the body when says the body no. says no. I've I've been thinking about it a lot, just in having conversations with my friends who have had that whose mothers have died of like weird diseases, mm-hmm. like terminal, like very quick. Um, like autoimmune or cancer or, you know, like, and rare. Yeah. um, Who were married to like terrible men and lived lives that were very traumatizing, I'm sure, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, And very hard on their bodies and and being in Christian culture and not being able to acknowledge that and how, and and like, it is interesting Uh that this seems to happen to more women, in this uh-huh. environment married to like these terrible men and so I like I had that thought especially in, in concert with this like all the women that die in these episodes like maybe they are writing uh-huh. from a place of experience but mm-hmm. they're missing like the most important thing here which mm-hmm. is that these women are being abused and that's why they're dying killing them you know yeah. <laughs> it's literally killing yeah. them because they're not allowed to yeah. do anything about it and they have to just suck yeah. it up and literally do all the work and make everything work and make men feel comfortable and mm-hmm. you know and can't meet their own needs or look after themselves yeah yeah oh yeah preach so, so and i think this also like because then they talk about karen just yeah so mm-hmm. yeah so basically mm-hmm. then the audrey is like i'm not sh- i'm still not sure why god took her away and then connie brings up karen and then there's a flashback to the karen episode about how connie is like i don't understand how she could get cancer it doesn't seem right and wit's basically like even good people get sick and die all you can do is hang on to faith that god is in control he knows what he's doing and that's not really comforting but um, yeah, anyway, like, not you at know, all. like no. not at all. No, and then uh, he that... really sidesteps the problem of evil. Yeah, yeah. And, and Every again, time. the othering, right? Like there's there's good people and bad people, and bad mm-hmm. people, yeah, they deserve to get sick and die. But even good ones, they do too, right? Like there's this yeah. weird separation again of of good and and bad people. Yeah, uh, what yeah. does that even mean? And yeah. what they deserve. And what they deserve. Like, there's so much judgment in that one statement. Like, bad people deserve to get sick and die. Uh Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. So um, Audrey, Audrey asks if Connie is a Christian and Connie is like, hey, do you know John Whitaker? Because she thinks she feels like she's being set up. Um, and she doesn't know who he's who she's talking about. So Connie's like, I just imagine him working it out that I would sit next to a Christian on the bus. He has a way of making those kind of things happen. And I'm just like, oh, it's not him. It's God, you know, who is also creepy. <laughs> God is super creepy. Yes. Cares. I just put in my I just put in my notes. Uh, wit is God, lady. Clearly, you didn't get the memo. <laughs> like, obviously, it's wit and God because they are one and the same. Yeah, um, yeah. This idea that like God is so coercive that he's going to like chase you to California and put people in your path and all these things so that you come to God. Like, it's yeah. just crazy to think that god and, and i mean like like this idea of like a, a loving god is so contrary right that a loving god who's accepting will also like be so forceful and coercive and yeah. and be putting all these people in your path to try to force you to think a certain way it doesn't mm-hmm. feel loving or accepting at all yeah and and, and I'm, I'm i'm flagging that uh, that's a red flag for connie to even think that this woman must know wit because he's orchestrating all these things. Like that's like a red flag for me. Yeah. Yeah. Huge red flag that she would even consider that. Yeah. Right. That's just, that just shows how, how much control he's been really, you know, forcing on her. Uh, for a yeah, long time. For a lot, for a long time. Yeah. That yes. she would even think such a thing. And um, Yeah. I had another thought, but I can't remember it now. But um, so then the bus driver announces they're almost in L.A. Uh, Audrey says something like, I sent something about you. God loves you. And he's put people in your life who've shown you that. But it's up to you to believe. And this statement comes up a couple more times. Mm -hmm. But and then she's and then Audrey's like, I'm going to pray for you. And Connie's like, thanks, but you really don't have to. And Audrey's basically like, but I want to. (laughs) <laughs> welcome to california end episode like yeah. it's like what um, um yeah go ahead can we do like a mini wrap up here and then record for the next one because this is yes yeah, pretty is long. Be too long so i think yeah. we should do it as two episodes okay yeah, fair enough so we'll just do like uh yeah um okay um thanks for joining us cody we're gonna talk about the next episode uh in two weeks on the next patreon Oh, no, no, wait, not on the next Patreon. Take, <laughs> retake. Right. Retake. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks for joining us, Cody. This has been really fun. Um, yeah. We so are going to talk about part two of this in two weeks. Well, we're going to talk about it. Where It's going to air in two weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, so is there anything? Do you want to plug anything before we end this episode? Uh, this is amazing. Everybody should listen to it. I'm going to plug this this podcast. (laughs) That's great. (laughs) So fun. Can't wait to be on again. Uh, Thanks for listening, everyone. Don't forget to follow us on social media, Instagram and Twitter at Ideology Podcast. We are also on Patreon if you want to listen to some of our fun, exclusive content, not Adventures and Odyssey related, but other 
fun, toxic, evangelical stuff and other stuff like that. So that is Patreon, Adventures and Ideology, or you can find us on our website at Adventures and Ideology. And definitely keep listening. And and if you like us, rate and review us on iTunes and Google Play and Spotify or any of the above. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Woo.